<laughs> Fresh. <laughs> As you can hear, we are not drinking wine today. We are drinking canned cider. Yeah, Halloween themed. Yeah, spooky, spooky cider called Black Widow Cider. And uh, I think it's called Original Sin Black Widow Cider. What's the brand? Original Sin. This isn't an ad, I swear. <laughs> <laughs> and this is the best cider I've ever tasted. Really? No. It's our <laughs> ad. <laughs> I mean, it's not bad. Yeah. It's blackberries and apples, so alcoholic apple juice. <laughs> the best. All right. Oh, and I have a bagel. Sorry. Yes, yeah, so she's going to be eating her cream cheese and lox. <laughs> um, so we're re-recording this episode. Like a week later. Yeah, we tried to record it last week. We had some technical difficulties, including a tone, high-pitched one, just being recorded throughout the entire thing. It was really annoying. Mm-hmm. Couldn't fix it. Couldn't fix it. Tried for a little while. It just wasn't happening. So, and then our schedules were so messy, we couldn't, like... You went out of in. town. I went out of town, yeah. That didn't help. Sorry. <laughs> uh, what's your disturbing fact of the week? Mm. Hold on, never mind. I'll go first since you're chewing. <laughs> um, the worst part is I had, like, three, and now that I'm coming to talk about it... I no, can't... wait, three? Yeah, I had I'm a surprised. couple different things. I was like, okay, this is something, this is something, and now my mind's drawing a blank. So, we'll go with the current status quo of what's happening in the U.S. right now. Yeah, it's disturbing for sure. Everything is disturbing. Politics are the worst. What about, tell them about the coconuts. Oh, that's a fun one. Yeah, so I just <laughs> learned this. Um, apparently, people don't want to pay actual people to harvest coconuts for coconut milk. There has been three or four different companies using monkey labor to harvest coconuts. The monkeys... <laughs> train for four months with a trainer to be able to pick coconuts and then they pick coconuts for coconut milk and there have been places like costco walgreens and a couple other stuff that'll carry whole milk walmart for... don't forget walmart i'm coming to walmart oh so these are the ones that they know what's going on now and so they're pulling the products from their stock walmart and target have not relayed any information on if they will be pulling their monkey labor milk or not. <laughs> so. That is horrible. Yeah. What is this? Like, what's happening? Well, we can't have child labor, so we gotta do monkey labor. Yeah. Or we could just pay people to <laughs> fucking pick coconuts. What is the profit in that? Like, they're, try they're trying so hard to not pay people. Yeah. Like, they're li I I'm just picturing... A group of CEOs sitting in a stuffy office building and being like, This last quarter we've paid too many people for doing a job well done. We can't be doing that anymore. And then some idiot. Let's the, pay monkeys for it. Yeah, it's so easy on monkey at the end of it. the table is like, wait a minute. Monkeys are semi-smart. What if we fucking pay to have a monkey trainer train a bunch of monkeys for four months yeah. to pick coconuts? So we don't have to tr so we don't have to pay people, and everyone's like, "Yeah, this is the smartest thing we've ever heard." Or it was like brought up as a joke, where it was like, "Yeah, this why are we paying people to do this job? It's so easy. Monkeys could do it." And the guy at the end of the table is like, "Yeah, you're right. Monkeys could do it." Wait a minute. <laughs> Damn. 
So what's yours? Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> Mine. Oh, my God. If there are any nurses or CNAs listening out there, healthcare professionals, I feel for you because in the next two days, I'm going to be working night shift, as I do, from time to time to make money. And on the 31st, it's not only Halloween, it's a full moon. And it's not only a full moon, it's the second full moon of the month. And it's a blue moon. And it's a blue moon. And if anyone out there is a healthcare worker, you know that we're all fucked on that day. <laughs> we're all fucked. All the patients are going to go crazy, especially the ones with dementia. Shit's just going to go wrong for no reason. Electronics are going to bug out. Like, our dynamic is that I'm the skeptic. Mm-hmm. But healthcare has made me superstitious because it like the first full moon of the month in the beginning of october horrible yep. shift i believe it so, i enjoy hearing the shit that goes down yeah asia's telling me oh yeah me and me, me and your mom were talking we just can't wait to hear the stories <laughs> <laughs> but it's true fun for you not for me <laughs> that's fair so wish me luck out there everybody <laughs> You get the most just of luck. Thank you. Okay, I am going to move my stuff around since we're on one screen today. So I can see our recording in addition to reading my own notes. Strats. The good thing about this one too is that I have attention issues. Atten I have ADHD. Yep. So even though I've heard this, I don't remember a single thing about it. Awesome. It's going to be like brand new. Sweet. Sort of. Because I also added some information from last time, so hopefully it'll be a little more inclusive. Yeah, even better. And I'm, like, so mad about the last recording because it was so good. It was. It was a good episode. Yeah. So let's hope we can do it justice. <sighs> no pressure. All right, you ready? Mm -hmm. Ready for this dive? All right. So this is a special Seattle episode. I know we're not in Washington yet. And I'm not going to be talk. I have one small, very small, ghostly tidbit at the end because I didn't want to spoil us in the future when we finally hit Washington. But, Strats again. Yeah. <laughs> so I wanted to give us a fun history about how Seattle was built on the red light district, how it ran that way. Going to talk about few different madams of the times and then we're gonna go into a fun historical event yes <laughs> and flashback to about four weeks ago for my red light district episode in alaska we were talking you were telling me about seattle and the underground mm -hmm. and that's why we decided to do this random fun episode yes this is our special episode just to branch off of rose's last one so let's get started so seattle has a lot of history and I'm only going to cover a small portion of it, and it's going to start in 1852. No, sorry. Seattle was founded in 1852. <laughs> We're going to start before it was founded in 1821. Off to a good start. It's great. <laughs> um, so yeah, we'll start there, and then we'll jump forward in like periods at a time. Ready? Ready. Might be hard to follow, so just bear with me. <laughs> so... The first lady I'm going to discuss is Mary Ann Conklin. She had married the captain of a whaling ship, and after an argument between the two of them, 
he left her stranded in Port Townsend. Hmm. It's a small settlement about 50 miles north of what would later become Seattle, and she decided to make her way over to the Seattle area to create a sustainable job for herself. Uh, mm. She's this single badass woman. And by sustainable, what are we talking? <laughs> we'll get there. Okay. <laughs> so shortly after arriving, Mary Ann became the manager of a hostel known as the Felker House. She was known throughout the town for having a sailor's mouth and a hot temper. Hell and yeah. This earned her the name Mother Damnable. I remember that. <laughs> yeah. Yes. What a badass. She ended up opening a brothel above the hotel, and her title changed to Madame Damnable, <laughs> which is just a mouthful, honestly. People would claim that her profane use of language was just as equally colorful in English, French, Spanish, Chinese, Portuguese, and German. Meaning she spoke all of those languages? As far as I know, they didn't go into detail if she was, like, fluent, but the fact that she was on a whaling ship means she probably traveled enough to yeah. be able to communicate effectively. Or alone. she just was like, I'm going to intimidate the fuck out of these men and <laughs> swear at them in several languages. Yep. <laughs> that's hilarious. But, I mean, that's seven, well, six languages total that yeah. she knows how to speak, at least curse in. Damn. Yeah. That's better than I could ever do. <laughs> goals in life. That is my goals. goals. <laughs> now, not only was she a badass and ran a hostel and a brothel, but when she had unused rooms, she would rent them out to the courts for $25 a day, which would be $750 in today's currency. Oh, yeah, I remember this. So, was she renting them so that they could house criminals? That was, again, something I never really found out. That's gotta be it, right? Like, what else would a courthouse... Could be, like, a courtroom. Like, maybe they needed somewhere <laughs> to have, like, no. a small something or other. Or it could have been housed for lawyers at the time. I don't know. Just imagine. But... You're, like, holding court on, like, a murder trial in a room in a brothel. Yep. Like, I just want you to... <laughs> I just want you to think of all the things, all the senses. Use your five senses and just imagine that. <laughs> Close your eyes and picture it. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Okay, so she ended up helping fight a case because the Felker house had a private garden and the city was trying to build a road through it and they weren't listening to her. So, she fought the case by letting attack dogs loose on the construction workers and oh throwing God. rocks at them. <laughs> Man, back in the day when yeah. you could just do that shit. She won. They stopped building the roads. Construction <laughs> workers were like, fuck it, we're done. We're not doing this shit. Man, if anyone tried to do that in this day and age, you go straight to jail. Yep. You can't just, like, lose some random rabid dogs and throw rocks at people. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Oh, my God. Mary Ann ended up owning the hotel and renamed it the Conklin House, but locals called it Mother Damables. All right. Fair enough. Yep. Fun tidbit. Mary Ann died in 1873, and in 1884, they dug up her coffin. They found the coffin to weigh roughly 400 pounds and thought that that was odd. <laughs> yeah, it's a little strange. <laughs> yeah. Inside the coffin, Mary Ann had turned to stone, they said. The stone was white as marble and resembled her in every way outside of some mild disfigurement. All right, but like, did it actually turn to stone or did she fake her own death? There... Put a marble statue of herself in the coffin and it... then disappear into obscurity. I like that idea the most. 
I'm wondering if her body just calcified due to what Seattle was with the water coming in and a lot. Like, how much the salt deposits could have made a difference. Calcium and, like, bone material calcification, not 400 pounds. Fair. Marble? Yes. They're different, man. I want (laughs) to see a picture of this. I also want to try it with salt. Try what? You want to calcify... (laughs) (laughs) You want to calcify someone's body with some salt? I want to know how much it would weigh. Like, if someone was dead, but their whole body, what if the salt, like, kept the body preserved so it didn't completely decay and then just kept building salt layers over it? Because... The way Seattle started is the buildings were all made of wood and they were lifted off the ground because the tidal waves would come in and it would flood everywhere. Yeah. And then it would wash back down and it would would happen twice a day. It was a flood zone. So I'm wondering if the cemeteries being flooded all the time, if that could have contributed to salt Mm. buildup and what it could have done. But they're saying it's a straight up marble. Here's, Here's my theory on your theory. This is my theory of how your theory would theoretically theory out. (laughs) If you had a body Uh and you applied salt in some manner, it would just suck all the moisture out and it would, the body would be much lighter, like way lighter. And that's how, that's how salt preserves shit. Once you take all that water out, it creates an environment that's super hard for bacteria and shit to live in, which is how things Mm -hmm. decay is bacteria. Yep. Bacteria That's and bugs. Sense. <laughs> That's a good point. All right, moving on. In 1888, a new madame came to town. She is much more well-known around Seattle and just in general history. She was the biggest name and made the biggest difference. Mm. Her name is Lou Graham. Well, it was. She <laughs> changed it from Dorothea Georgine Emily Oben. She was from yeah. Germany. Yeah, screw that. <laughs> Lou Graham, way better. Yeah. Now, when she arrived, Seattle's economy had tanked due to women's suffrage, and we had a discussion on our last recording on what women's yeah. suffrage was. Basically, women's suffrage. Fighting for women's rights. Yeah, and we had a... Di- the economy tanked. Because there's less prostitutes? Or because women are trying to get jobs? Both. Oh. There's less prostitution because women are trying to get actual jobs. Yeah. More sustainable and not looked down upon. Right, because Madam What's-Her-Face, the first chick... Mary you were talking about her finding a sustainable career. Mm-hmm. And at the time, prostitution's like really the only thing for yeah. women. Maybe teaching? <laughs> if we all lucky. know that that's bullshit. <laughs> Even nowadays, you can't make shit from teaching. Yeah. To all you teachers out there, I give you the highest kudos. I don't know how you survive. I thought about being a teacher. I love kids. Love teaching them. That's why I teach swim as a part-time. Yeah, I know. I couldn't no. make a living off of... Being an actual teacher, I would need to rely on someone else financially. Yeah. To all you teachers out there, maybe you should have been prostitutes. That was great. So brothels were closed and liquor licenses had been removed from local businesses. Like there were very few bars and stuff open. Mm. Lou Graham saw this as the perfect opportunity to build a new brothel due to the lack of competition in the area and supply and demand for her services i believe the word for her is industrious yes she's an industrious woman very much so and she came at about the right time too the klondike gold rush would start in about 10 years oh my god 
Yes, the Klondike Gold Rush. We just yep. talked about this. Yeah, that's why I wanted to do this episode. Look Tie it all... in, wrap it up in a nice little bow. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so Lou Graham was not into the ordinary shady brothel businesses. It was like around the corner, on top of a hotel, kind of hush-hush down low. No, she was like, if I'm going to have a fucking brothel, it is going to be the biggest, baddest place in town. So quality of a five-star hotel yes only gonna bring in people who can afford it like it's gonna be rich it's gonna be extravagant it's gonna be beautiful damn and the women were going to be beautiful but also smart and savvy like she educated these women she brought in people she brought in girls that hadn't had education and she educated the shit out of them so that they could entertain high-class businessmen politicians where they could actually have a full-on conversation with them. It wasn't just, here's a lane, I'll get the fuck out. No, it was, here's a companion. Like, the early signs of being a uh, escort. She's literally making geishas. Yeah. That's dope. I wonder if she went to Japan or some shit. I don't know. She, she was from Germany, so I don't know no. if she made it around the world or if it was just from Germany well, yeah, to Seattle. yeah, because she was on that boat. That was the last one. Damn, she could have seen some geishas, and she's like, this shit needs to be in America. <laughs> right? So, oh, I gotta catch up on my notes. I gotta hit on myself. So, yeah. The women were gonna be very high-cultured, very well-cultured and high-class women. Um, and this brothel was built on what is now currently Pioneer Square. The big main zone. Everybody goes to tourists. Okay, so what I remember about Seattle is there's a big hill. Mm -hmm. Where on the hill is that? It sounds important. You know where Pike's Place is? Yeah. Roughly around there. Dope. Pike's Place is like the place to be, huh? Yep. Okay. And part of it goes into the underground. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> so sadly, the Great Seattle Fire of 1889 burned Lou Graham's beautiful business down. But no. it had only been open a year, but she had already made so much profit off of her business that she built another brothel and just kept going. <laughs> yep. She just kept making it. And Graham had made such a name for herself that she was able to save the city from the devastation of the fire. Like, How? Well, like I said, she was she made a lot of profit. She yeah. became one of the richest people, one of the richest residents, not just richest women. She was up there with being the one of the richest people there out of everyone. That's dope. Once you break out of the, like, w women's side, yeah. you know, this is the richest woman. That, you're, like, really getting up yeah. there. Yeah, so she had, she would supply high-interest loans. She also invested heavily into the stock market. And due to this, it's also how she built her riches into getting bigger. So people would come to her, ask for loans, ask for help. She'd give them what they needed to get their businesses rebuilt and back on track. And we'll go into the Great Seattle Fire. That's my big historical event that I want to get into because it's hilarious. Yeah. I mean, devastating, but <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> it's hilarious. Um, so due to the whole women's suffrage thing, Lou was melt melt. Lou was <laughs> met with some moral <laughs> campaigns for trying to get her to be shut down. She would only end up closing oh for a God. few few days at a time during these fights, but. She had such a big, well-respected business that even though, yeah, she was technically selling sex, the same time, she was one of the best hotels in the area. Well, not like, only that, like, this is just 
people misunderstanding feminism, because this is like the first wave of feminism. Mm-hmm. She's freaking educating these women. Oh, yeah. Like, she's giving she's, them so much power. Yeah. Like, maybe the paying for sex thing isn't great, but also, like, if it's totally, you she's know. She's giving them a good life. Yeah. She's taking and if, in girls off the street who have a shitty life or are being treated like shit, taking them in, educating them, and not letting them get treated like shit. Yeah. Making them feel that they're worth something. Yeah, they're all not... there voluntarily. Yeah. Like, it sounds like a dope gig. Yeah, and it's not one of those where the only way they're worth something is for sex. They engage in conversation. They can engage in politics, economics, language. They can communicate like any other high-class woman out there. And they were just brought in from the streets. And then she leveled up their lives so much. I just... That's great. I yeah. think it's great. But in 1902, Lou Graham decided to leave Seattle because new laws were put in place that pretty much fucked her over on selling sex. Yeah. So women's suffrage succeeded. Lou Graham did not. So she left Seattle. And before she died, Lou donated large amounts of money to city projects, children's education, and family-run businesses that were on the verge of bankruptcy. So good-hearted woman. Yeah. Badass hard but she was good dope yep all right next we move on to nelly curtis so she began her career by opening a hotel in 1933 growing out of the small building she bought the la salle hotel that had 57 rooms nelly had gone by a few names including zella nightingale yetta solomon and nelly gray of those i think zella nightingale is the most badass it's beautiful, and it makes me think it was a stage name. Yeah, true. <laughs> in 1950, Nellie moved to Aberdeen and opened up another hotel. And she ended up running her businesses really well. <laughs> One of her tech techniques to bring in business was she would have her girls go out and drop off calling cards to sailors that were stationed there for a minute. Her girls. Mm-hmm. So it's not just a hotel, it's another brothel? It's another brothel. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. There wasn't a lot of information on Nellie, so I was happy I found this fun piece of info. Yeah. <laughs> but she would bring, she would have the girls br- drop off their calling cards and bring in business that way, and it worked like a charm. Hundreds of sailors looking for a good time came by the La Salle Hotel, and it she had built such a crowd from them that the military ended up banning sailors from going to La Salle's, ordering it <laughs> off limits completely. Oh my god. That's hilarious. Yeah. Um, Nellie had few customers that would come and go, but she also had some that she called permanent guests. Quote unquote, if they stayed a week, I called them permanent. Oh, a week? Yeah. Like basically, if they didn't leave and they were there for a week, she's like, they're a permanent guest now. <laughs> they won't not be back right okay she respected the customers personal lives so it never really mattered if they were there as permanent guests or if they left the same night she would never ask about it because why would you it's brothel but i assume that nelly did not trust the banking system because she kept all her money in hard cash on the premises yeah that's like pretty common too even now like yeah you'll see older people pay everything in cash just so like there's no record of Mm -hmm. anything and yeah the bank like you know how in colorado with weed some banks like you have to bring 
all of your cash you make from the from weed sales to the bank and you have to bring it bring it in like a duffel bag it's super dangerous because mm -hmm. people catch on to the fact that you have a duffel bag full of like thousands of dollars in cash yeah so i wonder like because it's dirty quote unquote dirty money, dirty money yeah maybe that's why could be but she ended up there was a rumor that she had rented two of her own rooms like in the hotel to herself one for her hats one for her money <laughs> oh my god yes <laughs> but apparently she would pull money out from anywhere yeah like, there was a report of her opening a lamp drawer and it just being filled with money She's man like, Here's cash <laughs> i wish i was like that <laughs> yeah apparently there was cash hidden everywhere <laughs> all right last fantastic woman at the time uh, in Centralia, Washington, Ruth Rucker was managing a larger number of crib, ho crib houses. Ruth had married the police chief of the town who controlled prostitution and bootlegging operations during the Prohibition era. Strats, though. Yep. Oh, my God. So Ruth wasn't happy with the state of their living conditions and decided to take matters into her own hands. She helped women on the streets who were down on luck earn money and maintain a kind of better lifestyle by selling sex. Mm -hmm. um, Ruth was a champion for women of working times during an era where it was unacceptable for a woman to run a business. Fun fact, Ruth had six lovers during this time. <laughs> and that's all I have on her. <laughs> <laughs> that's enough. Yep. She's a polygamist madam who yep. saves women from the streets. Dope. So now we're going to rewind back to Lou Graham. Okay. We're going to talk about... Yeah, I was going to say, the we didn't talk about how she saved the world from the fire or whatever. Yeah. She was the financial support to bring the town back up. That's dope. Like, who 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 can usually say that when they die? They're like, yo, I saved an entire town. It's yeah. cool. I saved an entire town. Made money off of doing it, too. Not to mention, when I died, I saved children, family-run businesses, and charities. <laughs> Damn. So, the Great Seattle Fire. <laughs> Which is one of two, right? Technically, yes, but this was the biggest one. That's why I wanted to cover it. Was it first or second? Uh, I think it was the second one. I remember there being something about how it had started, but this is the one that they all learned their lesson from. <laughs> <laughs> you think after two great fires, you've learned a thing or two. No, this one's the Great Fire. Okay. The other one was just, eh, it's a fire. This is the great Seattle fire. Damn, okay. Okay, so this fire happened in the central business district and destroyed everything. It burned for just under 24 hours, and the town was, like, the main center of town was completely destroyed and then rebuilt 20 feet above the original street level. Hence, we get the underground. Mm. But I'll get there in a minute. What, you're going to say something? Go ahead. Okay. So, early Seattle began off of the long <laughs> logging industry. <laughs> As the town grew, they would clear the forest and sell the lumber to California. But since they had such a high supply of lumber and it was everywhere, they built everything out of it. Oh, God. That includes all the buildings, all the piping, all the sewage. If you could build it, it was wood. Hmm. This entire town was made of wood. So, it was also, like I mentioned earlier, it was built in the bay where it was constantly being flooded. 
hence wooden stilts to keep it off the ground, but it was flooded all the time. And due to the way they built things and the way the tides would come in, their sewage was not a one-way street to the ocean. I remember this. Twice a day, sewage would come back through the pipes and become a fountain. So your toilets, your sinks, anything that was hooked up, quote-unquote, to that water line was just backflowing everywhere. Oh my god, I'm cringing. I remember this because I remember thinking, if you have wooden pipes carrying your water, Mm -hmm. like, that shit is seeping into the wood and just, like, continuously um, infecting your water. Yeah. Plus you're saying it's backlogging. Yeah, it's when the tides come in. Oh my god. I want to see the freaking epidemics around this time. Yeah. When it was low tide, everything would drain out. When it was high tide, it would all come back up and flood in the streets, flood into your living room, flood into everywhere. Living room? Think about it where if you had a toilet. If you actually had a toilet in your building at that time, it would be coming up and flooding wherever your toilet is. But like, this is. is like a daily thing? Every day. Twice a day. So what? They had a huge it rat problem. It took a fire to fucking realize. Yes. This is an issue? Yes. Not like, yo, there's fucking human feces in my in my living room twice a day. No. Nope. I love living here. Yeah. Nothing needs to change. Seattle apparently smelled like shit all the time. Oh my god, I can't imagine the yeah. death rate. Yeah, they had a big rat problem too. <laughs> the rats was like the least of your issues. Yeah. Maybe they're gonna they're at least gonna like eat the shit, some of it. Yeah. Oh my god. Uh, uh. So yeah, they learned their lessons pretty hard. But back to the fire. How did it happen? Well, this one poor guy will forever be remembered in history as the one person who started the biggest fire in Seattle history. <laughs> oh, no. His name is John Beck, and he oh. worked in a cabinet shop. So, at the time, when you needed to warm up glue, because you had to warm it up, you had to set it over a fire. Because it wasn't like the Elmer's glue in a bottle we have nowadays. Right. Just like, so it just come like in like blocks? I would like assume something like that. Interesting. Bucket. Something. I mean, it's made it still made from horses. So. Hmm. You gotta heat up that block of glue in a bucket. And he had it over a gas fire. Hmm. He wasn't watching it. Hmm. So. The glue bubbled over. Spilled into the fire caught on fire and started catching other shit on fire <laughs> and little john did little not john. know <laughs> i mean i guess he wasn't that little he was in his 20s sorry yeah Jack. but like he will always john. be remembered as little because he did this <laughs> yep so he did not know that you don't put water on a gas fire so he threw water tried to dampen the blaze and instead the entire shop went ablaze he spread the fire there's turpentine and wood chips all around, so everything caught a blaze. All the buildings are wood, and above him was a liquor store. No, above him was a paint shop. Next to him was a liquor store. Oh my god. So, ugh, they could not do anything to help this fire. At this point, it's not even his fault. Like, I bet you, I think I said this last time too, I bet you, when firefighters are going through firefighter school, they're like... Looking at this like a case study, like, yeah, hey, sometimes when you're planning a city, maybe you shouldn't put a carpenter next to a liquor store next to a paint shop 
Well, especially when you need fire to heat the glue for the cabinets. Like, it was all one thing after another. And maybe we shouldn't have wooden pipes! (laughs) (laughs) So this all ties together. So by the time the fire department got there, it had already spread like a block or two. It was already just, everything was being eaten up. It was a hot, dry summer, Hmm. so there wasn't a lot of moisture in the wood in any way. Which is bad luck, because Seattle's wet. Mm Mm-hmm. They had a dry summer, oh, and this happened. <laughs> so everything caught a blaze, just hopped from one building to the next, a couple liquor stores, a couple saloons, everything went up in flames, and they couldn't fight the fire because they had very few fire hydrants, and it was low tide, so there wasn't that much water in it to begin with. Oh, good. So they don't have enough of the shit water to spray at the fires. Right. Exactly. And so when they tried to use them, they were trying to use too many at once. There was hardly any water pressure. So it was like trickling out. Oh my god, all the lessons. Yeah, so many lessons learned. It was one (laughs) thing. Not to mention pipes or wood. They caught fire too. Underground. Your (laughs) underground pipes that carry your shit water to town are on fire now. Yep. (laughs) Just let it, just at this point, just let the whole thing fucking burn. Just. That's pretty much what happened. Yeah. It's. Yeah. Not working. Took out a mill, which is also flammable because grain's flammable. Yeah. And an opera house. It took out. I don't even care. Like, Get rid of all of it. It did. We it need took a out rebirth. Twenty-five blocks. Um, it was like a hundred and fifty or something. Hundred and twenty-eight acres of the city, just gone, completely. <laughs> In twenty-four up. hours. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Just under. But. Yeah, everything, everything burned. The city's four of the city's wharves, railroad terminals, walkways, boardwalks, everything just fucking gone. And out of this entire blaze, the only casualty was one kid named James Goen. Hmm. He wasn't going fast enough. <laughs> nope. <laughs> did I say that last time? I, I don't did. remember. <laughs> it felt right. <laughs> I said it last time. Oh, you did. <laughs> I just totally stole your joke, bro. It's okay. It you worked. just let me. It and worked. you laughed. Yep. <laughs> I still think it's funny, even though it was my joke. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. So the one good casualty that came out of this is over a million rats died. Yeah, so, fuck the rats. Yep. <laughs> but luckily, the townspeople did learn their lesson and rebuilt the city with brick this time. <laughs> made their pipes bigger and made it to where they could actually have water pressure, didn't ma- not mattering on the time of day with the tides. But like, what are the pipes made out of? I would assume metal now. I hope or so. Or brick. At least brick. Yeah, um, brick. I would take that. So, yeah. It was unanimously... Unanimous, oh my God. Unanimously <laughs> decided. Yo, this, like, Black Widow stuff, it's not good for your... Your, uh... Pronunciation. Tongue. Yeah, my tongue feels all weird. <laughs> like, I feel totally coherent, but I can't talk for shit. Yeah, that's just as must... Fucking... Fight <laughs> <laughs> <Point> proven. <laughs> that just must be where this alcohol targets. Yeah. <laughs> Say, I'm only barely touching the occasional buzz feeling. Like, sometimes I'm feeling yeah. mildly buzzed. But Very my tongue mildly. does not want to cooperate with my brain. Yeah. It's great. <laughs> Black Widow people <laughs> from the original Sin. If you want to sound like an idiot, drink Black Widow. <laughs> <laughs> so 
So yeah, they unanimously decided that all new construction must be of stone or brick masonry. Wow. They also decided to rise the city up from the muck in which the original streets lay. Turns out that when the tides would come in and go out, the mud left over was so bad that it would, like, swallow animals and small children. Yeah, and it's full of shit. Yes. This is a horrible place. I'm surprised Seattle is a thing. I know. Like, somewhat, all these people unanimously decided this place is worth fucking trying again. Yes, but they learned their lessons, so they built everything up higher. (laughs) So the underground happened because everyone decided to build the city with retaining walls that were eight feet or higher in areas on either side of the old streets, fill the space between those walls, and paved over it to fill... Oops, sorry. Paved over the fill to effectively raise the streets. So they basically made a channel. So if you had a building on one side, you had a wall in front of it, then you had the road and another wall. And where the road was, they filled it in and then paved on top of it to bring the road up 8 to 20 feet or whatever. Why? Like, why are they... Why are they working so hard? They literally paved over an entire city just to freaking stay there? Like, is mm-hmm. is the scenery nice? Mm-hmm. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Uh. Yep. Uh, I'm confused. So, we talked about this this last week. Um, that road that they built, it was kind of up to the shops to build in their area to the road. So a lot of places didn't. So there were ladders. There were step ladders going from one wall up the road so you could get onto it, walk across, and climb back down the other side of the road just across the street. And they had a lot of drunks there, and a lot of drunks died. Yeah, okay, People could barely walk straight when they're drunk, let alone climb a step ladder, cross the road, and then climb back down the step ladder. This is stupid. Yeah. This is stupid. Yeah. Why 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 are we so stupid? Humans are stubborn as you're shit. You're stupid. Like <laughs> you're trying too hard, just give up. There's better places. <laughs> My god. Yep. So yeah, so you're a drunk in the middle of the night. Seattle just burned down. There's some fucking walls everywhere. You're trying to get from point A to point B. <laughs> Okay, if I'm, like, really drunk, and I haven't been super drunk in a while, but I do remember climbing up a ladder would be, like, pretty hard. And then even if you did climb up and cross the street without getting hit by old-timey vehicles, right, you still have to climb down the ladder. And that's the hard part. Because climbing up, you can kind of look straight, but if you're climbing down, you need more of your wits about you. And you're drunk. Yes, and you're drunk on top of it. So, uh, yeah, a lot of people died. Yeah. Oh, a lot of people died. Fun fact, too. I used to... I watched Adam Ruins Everything. He talked about cars nice. and roads. Mm-hmm. And I guess roads used to be for pedestrians. Mm-hmm. Like, you would walk around in the street. It'd be like a community thing. But then the car company... Some big conspiracy. And I wish I could tell you better. But the car companies made it so that only cars go on roads. And it's, like, fucking terrifying to walk in the street now. Yep. But that's not how it always was. Good to know. Fun fact of the day. So Pioneer Square was had been had been built mostly on filled-in tidelands and was often flooded. The new street level that they made kept 
the sewers draining into the bay and not backing up at high tide. Good job, everybody. So they fixed their sewer Good fountains. Good fucking job from the future, guys. Yeah. Damn. They figured it out. So they ended up building those streetways where they filled it in, made a road on top of it, and they had alleys on either side. Naturally steep hillsides were used, and through a series of sluices, material was washed into the wide alleys and raised in the streets to where they needed to go. What in the fuck is a sluice? It pumps shit. Okay. <laughs> I can understand that. <laughs> <laughs> Keep it in layman's terms. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, the brick... Uh, sorry. So yeah, <laughs> pedestrians climbed ladders to go between the street level and the sidewalks in front of buildings. Uh, brick archways were constructed next to the road surface above submerged sidewalks. Pavement lights. Um, it's a form of a skylight. It used to be clear glass squares. Nowadays, they're kind of amethyst co colored. So if you're ever, anyone, if you're ever walking in Seattle and you see just a patch of purpley glass on the sidewalk, you're above one of those alleyways that they had constructed. Are they still using those? You can go on a tour and you can see them, yeah. But it like, is not... this is on the shit mud level of Seattle, right? Yes. What used to be Seattle. Uh -huh. I'm not trying to go down there anymore. I thought it was cool. I thought it'd be like a fun it little thing. It is cool. But like... They've got wooden walkways. You're not like walking. Wooden walkways. Mm -hmm. Are we done with the wood yet? Almost. Um... Yeah, so this area is the Seattle Underground. When everyone was rebuilding everything, they knew that the plans were to raise everything. So they had storefronts on that ground level, but they didn't decorate them. They built a second door on the second level and decorated the top. So that way, when the road was brought up, that second level was now the, so they quote, just... ground level, and the bottom was the basement. So they just kept their storefronts on the shit mud level? Yeah, until the full city built up. But yeah, they still had to okay. get into them. Huh. They started with the roads and eventually finished the to getting to the buildings. Yeah. This whole idea is just, like, really confusing to me. I want some pictures. <laughs> yeah. Um, once the new sidewalks were complete, building owners uh, moved their businesses from the ground floor up to that second floor to make it the new ground floor instead of the old one. Hmm. Although mer merchants carried on business in the lower floors of buildings that survived the fire, pedestrians still continued to use the underground sidewalks as long as they could. Until, in 1907, the city condemned the underground for fear of bubonic plague. <laughs> Remember the rat problem? <laughs> oh my god. They're condemning it now. They Dude, condemned the it past. in 1907. The yep. past is fucked up, and I'm glad I'm not there. Yeah. The basements were left to deteriorate or were used as storage. Some became illegal flop houses for the homeless, gambling halls, speakeasies, and opium dens. Damn. So it was pretty shaded. But here's my one small kind of ghost story that you can still see that is technically in the underground. Yes, for for Halloween. And for, I haven't heard this part. Yeah, this is a teaser. This is new. So Kel's Irish Restaurant and Pub is said to be one of the most famously haunted spots in town. It's been featured on more than one ghost hunting television show, and Kells is located in the basement of old, an old Butterworth building, which used to be the city's first mortuary, and later believed to have been the source of corruption and other dirty dealings. Okay, Butterworth. Why do I want to say that's a candy? 
Butterfinger. What is a Butterworth building? Uh-huh. Am I dumb? It just said it used to be the city's first mortuary. Right, so I'm like saying, well, okay, so basement of old maybe Butterworth some, building. Use someone's last name, Butterworth. Bill okay. Butterworth. Yeah, I'm just dumb. So then it's a mortuary. Mm-hmm. Okay. All so right, it right. used to be a mortuary, and then it was later to believe to be the source of corruption and other dirty dealings. I'm guessing, like I said previously, maybe opium dens could have been gang-related. Oh, could have yeah. been one of those, like, oh, we're underground now. We're underground, so, like, we get to get away with shit. Yeah. So the owners of Kells and staff say that they have experienced moving objects, creepy feelings, a brief appearance, brief appearances, (laughs) fuck this cider, I cannot talk. (laughs) The brief appearance of specters, like a young girl who legend has it, tries to lure other children to come play with her. Oh boy. Come play with me, Danny. Ooh. So somehow, I made it shorter than our last episode, even though I added a lot more information. Man, we just breezed through that shit. I know! Last last week, we did an hour-long episode, and I didn't have this extra fun stuff. I added the extra fun stuff to make it longer, and we were 15 minutes shorter than our last episode. You know what? But 45 is healthy. It's it is a healthy, healthy number. It is. But, yeah, so the underground is still there. You can take tours of it. You can take haunted tours of it. I'm not taking any tours. There's like hundred year old shit anything. down there. Yep. Pretty sure. Hey, I didn't come back with a bubonic plague. And I took a tour. You were lucky though. You're one of the lucky. I didn't ones. touch anything I wasn't supposed to touch. <laughs> but there were definitely some areas I felt the feeling. Ooh. It wasn't through like the whole tour, but there are definitely certain spots and certain things where I was like, hmm. <laughs> Just throw shit at my computer, why don't you? Oopsie. (laughs) Yeah, no, I'm not trying to be there. First of all, I'm claustrophobic. Second of all, it sounds dirty and gross, and... It just looks like... It's just old. There's old wood walkways, old dirt areas, and the tour I went on, they take you, like, through this small route of things, and you go, like, maybe a block, Hmm. if that. Hmm. But, again, they closed everything down due to the bubonic plague, so only a couple places are actually open to be toured. Yeah, good job, guys. You figured it out. All right, well, dope. So, that was fun. That was fun. I think we're going back to Alaska for the next one, right? Yes, we are moving back to Alaska. This was our special, we might as well call it a Halloween episode now. Halloween! Halloween! Happy Halloween! Seattle special, even though it's not very haunted or spooky. But You know what? We're trying, okay? <laughs> Can anyone tell we're trying? I'm not sure. <laughs> we're busy ass adults. This isn't perfect. Life is attempting to happen, and we kind of just have to go with it. Yeah, we're just doing the best we can. Keeping our head above water in these COVID times. The election's coming up. Yeah, I'm expecting a civil war. I see it happening. Maybe. Maybe a civil war. Maybe absolutely nothing at all. Who knows? Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, and uh, getting ready for that shift. I can (laughs) feel it looming over me. I'm looking forward to those stories. (sighs) As long as no one dies and I survive the shift, we'll be good. Good. It'll be fine. Make lots of notes so someone doesn't think you're like some angel of mercy. Wait, what? Oh, you mean like giving people morphine and shit? That's harder to do than uh, it's than it used to be. I can't just take out morphine and be like, oh yeah, I just gave him some morphine, because then there's like a whole record of the morphine I took out and how much I took out and which patient I took it out under. You can't just do that shit. Good. 
Yeah, it is good. <laughs> good. Well, that was our episode, our special episode. You can find us on Instagram at haunts underscore creeps with Z's, no S's. That was Instagram. We also Facebook, have Twitter, Facebook, Spotify, Spotify, Twitter, mm. Patreon. Patreon. That's the important one. Come join us on Patreon and we will say your name on the podcast. Yeah. We will be podcast famous. Yeah. We got one Patreon. One glorious patron donor. Yeah. The love of my life. Might be and... able to get your mom here soon. We'll see. Yes. Mom, come. Help <laughs> me with some money <laughs> so we can get some mics and shit. Yeah. We need gear. We do need gear. So help support us and also so we can buy wine that isn't bottom of the barrel but still works yeah our wine and our ciders are six bucks <laughs> yeah this is actually our splurge we actually spent 13 dollars on ciders <laughs> i don't think we even paid for wine more than that yet no so definitely not but this was a special episode and required special original sin black widow ciders yes the best cider you could buy sponsor us <laughs> it will make you hilarious because You'll trip over your words and everyone knows that shit's funny. Yep. <laughs> All right. See everybody next week. Keep it creepy. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween.